This episode is sponsored by Vampires Like It Hot by Lindsay Sands. Vampires are real. Jess would never have believed it until she saw them with her own eyes. She has to get off the island and her gallant rescuer has offered to help. There's something about Raphael that's unlike any man she has ever met, and his touch sends pleasure through her that is beyond all imagining. But when Jess discovers who he really is, will she risk life as she knows it for a chance of forever by his side? This is Recommended, where we talk to interesting people about their favorite books. Today we're joined by Gretchen Rubin discussing Christopher Alexander's A Pattern Language and Cynthia Lytek-Smith recommending Apple in the Middle by Don Quigley. Gretchen Rubin started her career in law and was clerking for Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor when she realized she wanted to be a writer. She's the author of many books, including the New York Times bestsellers The Four Tendencies, Better Than Before, and The Happiness Project. On her top-ranking, award-winning podcast, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, she discusses happiness and good habits with her sister, Elizabeth Kraft. My name is Gretchen Rubin, and A Pattern Language by Christopher Alexander is my recommended. A Pattern Language is an unusual book. It's about 253 patterns, which is what Christopher Alexander has identified as sort of aspects of architecture, of homes, of offices that make people feel comfortable, that make a space feel alive, that make people gravitate to a certain place. And so it's not things like, oh, it's Gothic architecture or, oh, your chandelier should be 33 inches off your dining room table. It's these ideas, these sort of transcendent ideas like child cave windows overlooking life, garden growing wild, columns at the corner, staircase as stage. He shows a lot of examples from all over the world of architecture that shows things like cascade of roofs. And you look at it and you think, oh my gosh, how much do I love a cascade of roofs? And so it's a, it gives a, a whole different way of seeing patterns in the kind of spaces that we inhabit. It's not in order. It's like you can jump back and forth. You can just slip through. And it's this combination of the super practical and technical and then these like weird kind of poetic and even mystical ideas. Christopher Alexander is very judgmental and very opinionated. And so it's just it's one of these things that the minute I read it, I was like, I've never seen anything like this before, which just made a huge impression on me. My favorite aspect of the book was his point, which you could take issue with, but which I, I find very compelling, which is that wherever you go in the world and whatever kind of architecture people are using, there are certain patterns that just as part of human nature, we respond to. Somehow it just taps into something in us um, that mean, makes it meaningful. So like one of his things, one of my favorite things is one of his patterns is secret place. And he says, every home should have a secret place where only the people who live there know about it and what's in the secret place and then the people that they confide in. And like, this gives your house this kind of charge that you have the secret place. This was like enchanting to me. My house has like three secret places, which we love um, that they're secret. One of his principles is six foot balcony that people don't feel comfortable on a balcony unless it's at least six feet deep. Well, maybe your balcony looks like something if you live in Italy and if you live in Japan, your balcony is going to look different. But the idea that there are these universal things that we can all tap into, I find that just um, really interesting to think about. You know, it's been so long since I read A Pattern Language. I don't remember who recommended it to me. I think it was one of these things. One of the things I love to do as a reader is somebody in another book will mention a book 
and I will follow up. So like when I read Thomas Merton's book, Seven Story Mountain, he mentioned in passing Story of a Soul, which is St. Therese of Lisieux's spiritual memoir. And I was like, huh, well, if he cared enough about that book to mention it, maybe I'll go check it out. So I think I read about a pattern language in another source, which now I can't remember at all. I haven't reread the entire book because part of it is like very, like I say, it's pretty technical and um, also applies to things like where should you build your public promenade in your city and stuff like that. But the parts that apply to residences and parks I've read and offices I've read a lot of times, I'll often just like sort of pick it up and flip through it and just see what it says. Or like I got really obsessed with color. I'm writing a little book called My Color Pilgrimage. So I looked in to see, well, did Christopher Alexander have anything to say about color? He writes around about light a lot. Like one of his principles is that people are much more comfortable in rooms that have light on two sides. And I live in New York City and I'm here to tell you, it makes a big difference if you have light on two sides. You feel it in New York City where so many places don't have light on two sides. I think I give this book more than any other book that I will try to foist on people. I often give people books because I do think that it's not like anything else. And especially if a person is like about to move or going to renovate or is going to redecorate or is going to move to a new office where they have some control over how they set things up. This is a way of thinking about space that's different. I feel like I'm not a visual person. I'm sure there's some people where this all comes very naturally, but I'm not visual. For me, I have to get it through words. And probably because I'm like that, a lot of my friends are like that. And I'm like, okay, if you read this book, it'll help you understand what you like and what you don't like. And so you can try to shape your space differently. It's not like a narrative where you start at the beginning and read to the end. You can just kind of read the parts that are interesting to you. And then it's fun to look at the pictures. There's tons and tons of illustrations. And so you can you can look and see like, oh, for, you know, staircases stage. What do the staircases look like? Or floor ceiling vaults. What does that look like? Zen view, deep reveals, radiant heat. It's just It's just fun to kind of look through it. Marriage bed. Uh, yeah, they're fun. Well, as a reader, I'm very attracted to unusual structure and unusual format. So I read a lot of books that are written in odd ways. That's probably one of the reasons I was so taken with this book. I will seek out books looking for things that have unusual structures, just because no matter what the book is about, I'm always interested in an unusual structure. Pattern language has had a big influence on me because I write about happiness and how people can make their lives happier. Part of it is like, well, what does he say about what pe makes people feel good in a place? How can I use that in my life? Or what would I say to other people? Like I said, we have secret places in our, in our house because of what he wrote. And like when we were thinking about renovating our apartment, there was a proposal that we would move the kitchen. But then I was like, oh, but this kitchen would move from the sunny side of our apartment to the less sunny side of our apartment. I was like, no, 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 because Christopher Alexander had gotten me so obsessed with light. I was like, I would never do that. And I'm so glad that I didn't. I read really recklessly. Um, I get to the library all the time, so I'll just like throw anything in my bag. Um, I read a lot of stuff. I read a lot of fiction. I'm a huge fan of children's literature and, and young adult literature, so I read a lot of that. Um, and then I just read a lot of, like I, like I said, I will read about a book in a book that I'm reading, so I'll read that. I love biographies and memoirs. I love books with odd structure. I'm interested in science and history. So I read a lot of weird stuff because I, because I use the library a lot. I read a lot of books that are kind of nobody's really talking about anymore. You know, like it came out 20 years ago and nobody really remembers it. But to me, it's like, oh, there it is on my library shelf. I'll take that book. This is the kind of stuff that I'm always looking for. It's something that maybe 
I hear about it almost accidentally and then I go check it out and then I find, oh my gosh, like what a treasure that I've discovered sort of haphazardly. I try to really follow up anything that looks interesting because I never know where I'm going to find something that I just love, um, even though I didn't necessarily know that um, I wasn't necessarily expecting, you know, that it would be a fantastic book that I found. Well, one thing I would just say is that I think sometimes people, sometimes we all get a kind of a, a, a rut or we get like, we have like a bad run of books and we sort of lose track of how great it is to read. One of the things I always try to do is if I'm not interested in a book, stop reading it and then go find a book that I'm more enthusiastic about because I think that has really helped me read more and read with more excitement and enthusiasm because I only finish something if I really love it. And the thing is, there's nothing that is so much fun as to read a book that you love. Sometimes you have to kiss a few frogs before you hit the prince of a book. I just always say to people, like, keep looking for that book because once you find that book you love, like, there's just nothing better than the pleasure you get from a great book. Thanks again to Gretchen Rubin for joining us and recommending A Pattern Language by Christopher Alexander. Her book, The Four Tendencies, published by Harmony, is available now wherever books are sold. You can follow her on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin. This episode is sponsored by TBR, Book Riot's new subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. Been dreaming of a stitch fix for books? Now it's here. Tell TBR about your reading preferences and what you're looking for and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. Visit mytbr.co slash treatyourshelf to sign up today. That's mytbr.co slash treatyourshelf. Cynthia Lytick-Smith is the New York Times best-selling YA author of the award-winning adventure fantasy series Feral and Tantalize. She is also the author of several award-winning children's books, including Jingle Dancer, Rain Is Not My Indian Name, and Indian Shoes, all published by HarperCollins. In addition, she has published short stories, nonfiction essays, and poetry for young readers. She's a citizen of the Muscogee Nation, based in Austin, Texas. Her upcoming contemporary realistic YA novel, Hearts Unbroken, is her first book with a native protagonist since 2002. My name is Cynthia Lytick-Smith. And Apple in the Middle by Don Quigley is the book that I'm recommending. Apple in the Middle is a story of Apple Starkington. She's a Turtle Mountain Band Jibway girl who's been raised away from her native nation. Apple's bicultural. She's both native and white, although she's tribally enrolled, so she's a citizen of her indigenous nation. The thing is, she's been raised by the non-Indian side of the family. She goes home to visit her maternal grandparents and connects to her people, to her mother's memory, gets sort of a broader, more grounded understanding of her whole self. And she also, you know, gets acquainted with relatives who are new to her, faces some inherited conflict from her mom's personal history, and kind of emerges as someone who is just more comfortable in her own skin. I'm very active in the children's and why lit conversation on the internet, on Twitter, on Facebook, all over the place, Instagram. I was so excited to see that there was a new Native woman author in YA Lit. We are rare creatures. As much as I love, you know, everyone who's in there, we're, it's, it's been a narrow group. We really can use some new voices and some growth. I believe I reached out first, and Don and I hit it off immediately. 
And I was blessed that she sent me an advanced copy of the book to take a look at. I was familiar with her as a voice in the Native American literature, why literature conversation and the conversation around books for young readers more broadly on the internet, but I hadn't read anything that she had read per se. I adored Apple herself. Her voice is chatty and confiding. It's very now. She's high-spirited, tender-hearted, funny, vulnerable, quirky, courageous, kind of a goof sometimes in a really relatable way. She makes mistakes and learns from them like anybody else. I was pleased to see um, a Native teen on kind of the spectrum of degrees of acculturalization. Apple doesn't know a lot about her Native identity, but her mom's side of the family is generally very warm and welcoming and patient with her. I particularly loved all the chatter about her cousins and large extended family and sort of trying to figure out how everyone was connected. Honestly, there's really nothing like it. I mentioned before that Native voices are really underrepresented in young adult lit, and that's more true of Native women authors and Native girl characters, especially written by a tribal citizen and rooted in lived experience. Beyond that, just sort of in terms of general images of Native kids in YA lit, Apple's from a relatively affluent background on her father's side of the family, and we don't often get to see that sort of socioeconomic diversity in the body of literature. Middle-class Native people are really rare in books for young readers. Mostly, I loved the intergenerational relationships. Elders aren't particularly written well in children's YA lit across the board. We, we have a lot of very strange ageist and stereotypical depictions out there. And Dawn's book is an example of pushing against all those biases in the best ways and really showing elders as three-dimensional vital members of the community. I just read the book for the first time, but I will absolutely be recommending it. And I would say to a prospective reader that Apple in the Middle is a rare contemporary story about a well-rounded, likable Native girl coming home to herself and her heritage for the first time. It's really, it's ideal for those who like humor and elements of mystery, a sort of classic YA for readers age 12 and up. The closest I can think of would be Eric Gansworth's debut YA novel, called If I Ever Get Out of Here, and his latest, Give Me Some Truth. Uh, they're both set in a Native community, per se, but really the voices of those books are so different, Eric's protagonist and Dawn's, and, you know, really we're, we want people to read broadly and as many different voices as they can. Reading Apple in the Middle really underscored for me the need to raise awareness of Native literary style and sensibility, I enjoyed the fact that since Apple, the character, is new to her Native community, she's the one who's navigating mainstream misconceptions. The young reader can have that vicarious experience through her point of view, and it's a clever reversal of expectations. In that, there's also a flow of time and an emphasis on daily life that you often see in Native writing. It's not nonlinear, but you can feel the weight of the past and the promise of the future with every scene. Dawn's writing is also nicely submerging. It draws you all the way in. She's not doling out culture and sort of bite-sized nuggets. She's not holding back out of fear of overwhelming non-Indians with unfamiliar dynamics. She just really puts you in Apple's experience and lets you feel it. Her Native characters, they're not flawless. They're three-dimensional people. Uh, they have strengths and weaknesses just like anyone else. I feel like Native teams will really relate to that and that all teens will be able to make a leap and really benefit from the insights of that lived experience. I read just about everything. <laughs> I, I read across age markets, genres, formats, fiction, nonfiction. I love speculative and realistic fiction. 
I just reread Now a Major Motion Picture by Corey McCarthy, which spoke to my inner geek girl. But, you know, Native stories, especially contemporary and futuristic, are a priority. I know that they'll challenge some readers and they'll push against comfort zones. But to me, they really feel reflective and empowering in a way that makes me hopeful about the future. I'd just like to emphasize again the need for many Native voices. Uh, Writing from lived experience, that's something I love that Dawn has done in writing Apple. Um, I'm really grateful for her voice. And and Joe Bruchax and Eric Gansworth and Tim Tingles and Erica Wurst. I think sometimes it feels like we're shouting into a hurricane and that the voices, the narratives get drowned out. But looking at Don's voice, each new voice, we stand a chance of being heard. And that's good for all kids, especially Indigenous ones. Thanks again to Cynthia Lytick-Smith for joining us and recommending Apple in the Middle by Don Quigley. Her forthcoming YA novel, Hearts Unbroken, will be published by Candlewick Press on October 9th of 2018, and you can pre-order it now. You can follow her on Twitter at SinLytick-Smith. Next week on Recommended, one author talks about her favorite Nabokov novel. I had a lot of um, airplane flights on the year or so that I read this book, and I can think of multiple instances I was on a plane and laughing out loud and people looking at me sort of willing me to shut up because I could not stop giggling like a bit of a crazy person. It is hysterically funny, and I had not thought of Nabokov as a funny writer. Thanks again to our sponsors for making today's episode possible. If you like what you heard, please take a moment to review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We love to hear your feedback, and it helps other folks to find the show. You can find show notes at bookriot.com slash recommended, and you can email us at recommended at bookriot.com. 